On today's show, the Dallas Mavericks get a home game against the Lakers on Christmas. Does it matter? Is it saying anything about the Mavericks that they get a home game on Christmas? Plus, the Mavericks signed two guys for their training camp. We'll talk about McKinley Wright and Mo Gee. Talk about all that and more on today's Locked On Mavs. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Locked On Mavericks And welcome, you are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member and NBA channel manager for the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Mavs your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where the best way you can help us grow this show is to comment your team every day below. Also, let us know, do you care that the Mavericks play a home game on Christmas Day against the Lakers? Do any of those things matter? Home, Christmas Day, against the Lakers. Let us know. Joining me today on the show, a longtime friend of the show. You know him probably from Twitter, just from takes and from uh, grumpy opinions, (laughs) self-proclaimed grumpy opinions. (laughs) What you got for me, Kirk Serious Face? And we are in the depths of a real offseason, and I'm starting not to know what to do with my hands. <laughs> well, that's that's okay. On YouTube, I, I shrunk our screen so much that now we don't have to show our hands at all. So, <laughs> All right, let's get into today's topic. We got a, a, a t- couple of things to get to today. Obviously, the Mavericks are going to play on Christmas Day, and we're going to play Factor Cap. Does it matter? Does it not matter? What of this matters? And then... We'll talk about the the Mavericks signing a couple of two-way guys or a couple of guys in the training camp. Um, McKinley Wright the fourth and Mo Gee, uh, Mohamedou Gee. Everybody calls him Mo though. Every single highlight I watched, I watched like <laughs> 25 minutes of highlights and they were all said Mo. Nobody wanted to go for the first name there. And then uh, Bet Online also released the over/under win totals and all that. So we'll talk about that with Kirk today. Kirk's from Mavs Moneyball. You know him. He's He's Kirk Henderson is his real name. <laughs> Kirk Serious Face on Twitter is where most people probably know him. You can follow him there. And then, uh, yeah, all good stuff running Mavs Moneyball all the time. And uh, you keep finding good people that I keep bringing on the show. So I said, well, we might as well have Kirk on too. Yeah, that's, that's true. We I, I do love our staff because it's, it's always fun to have people who you don't agree with because, therefore, you mm-hmm. can always find stuff to write and argue about. And... Uh, I will say my my favorite. I'm not sure if you've had him on yet. He doesn't. He's not written in a while. He's been busy. But Z- uh, Xavier Santos is just mm, the the yes. most intensely opinionated <laughs> gambling person. And what's worse is he's been riding on a few big things, and he just like trots that out because he wanted Spencer Dinwiddie forever ago. And he's like, look, I was right. You know, it's 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 fun. The 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 Mavs uh, opinion community is certainly varied. And the uh, the murderers row of people that have come through Mavs Moneyball, they just, just continue to keep finding them. There's John Sharks and jo- and Jason Gallagher and myself and <laughs> Dalton Trigg. Lots of, lots of good people. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into this. So the Mavericks, according to Sham Sharania, Mark Stein, many others, are going to be playing a game on Christmas Day. They played last year on Christmas Day, and now they're playing at or they're playing a home game against the Lakers. Factor cap, Kirk Henderson, having a game on Christmas Day matters. Fact. Fact. Because it's the league's showcase. They're probably not thrilled that the NFL is imposing on them to a degree, but this True. is the the day that they want to highlight all of their stars and rising teams. And the fact that the Mavericks are playing for, is this their third straight Christmas game? 
Mm, or fourth? That is a great question to ask me right now. <laughs> I know. So they played the they played the first game. It was the second game of the season following the bubble season, and that's the first one I remember. Luca wasn't in great shape. It was also a Lakers game. wasn't great. Last year they played a Christmas Day game, but Luca was out, and they played the Jazz, and that was a sign of things to come. Jalen Brunson had a really nice game. Porzingis didn't do great, and now we're looking at this one. And for me, it's 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 fascinating for two reasons. The home aspect is just really telling. You know, LeBron James is not thrilled to be playing an away game on Christmas for because he's probably played a Christmas Day game for at least. 16 or 17 of his 35 seasons in the league. I, I, I don't, and now he's having to go somewhere with his, and probably tote his whole family along. That part is fascinating to me. But the other part that I'm really interested in, and I want to hear your take on this is actually seeing a Luca that by that point in the year is going to be as fine tuned as he'll ever have been for a Christmas day game. Yeah, because if you look back at some of those past Christmas day games and it is, the, it is the third in a row for the Mavericks that 20, 21 season Christmas Day was the second game of the season <laughs> like we keep forgetting that these seasons have been just completely weird over the last couple of years but that was the second game and then the then last year where Luca didn't play and so this will be the best the best so far that Luca will hopefully look and he's always motivated to play against LeBron James mm-hmm. always like it's every single time they play the Lakers and I think even sometimes when LeBron's not playing it seems like he's really motivated to beat them to win and, uh, and to play well. And so my next question was going to be factor cap playing at home on Christmas Day matters. And I completely agree. It's, it's a total fact that playing at home to the Lakers were going to get a Christmas Day no matter what. They just mm. always do. Right. And the Knicks yep. got one. The Knicks also got one. This The slate, by the way, Bucks at Celtics, Sixers at Knicks, Suns at Nuggets, Lakers at Mavericks, Grizzlies at Warriors. Not sure if that's the time slot schedule that it's in. I have I have heard pure rumor. I have heard that the Mavericks get the middle of the pack slot. That that mm-hmm. yeah, that that one I think it's at 230 2:30 Eastern, is it? Maybe it's 3:30 Eastern. It's the one right in the middle, though, which which is interesting because I, I find you know over the years that morning game is usually a tire fire because no one wants to be awake playing basketball on Christmas <laughs> Day. And then the second game is like the game that they don't know where to slot it. And then the third game's okay, and then the fourth and fifth games are usually where these the they look one, like yeah. real NBA basketball with like I'm you know Denver somehow always getting the 10:30 p.m. slot game. <laughs> and for me, and for probably you listening, it's like, well, that 2:30 game is usually like the best one because at that point everybody is just done doing Christmas and everybody's off doing their own thing, either mm. like like using the things that they got for Christmas or we've eaten and so now we're just done and we're just hanging out like. At that point, it feels like a good time for a Mavs game. I have I've referred to it. I, my my wife doesn't know that it's happened yet because we just got back from vacation, so I haven't told her that this game's on Christmas. And it's gonna be the Are you serious with this <laughs> day game? It's Christmas. You're you're with your family, and I'm gonna be like, but Luca and the Mavericks are, are my. We're all family, and it's she's the, not gonna like that. It's the only time I ever dropped the. Oh, actually, this is a lie. This is a complete <laughs> lie. It's not the only time, but one of the one of the times I really dropped the. It's my job. I have to, I have to do this. It's my I have to watch this game. It's my job. I have to watch Bucks Celtics because it's my job. Uh, but playing at home for the Mavericks matters. Like that shows some gravitas. That shows some pull the Mavericks have. That Luca obviously brings them. That they were a you know a Western Conference finalist team last year. They were one of the four teams remaining. And I think all I think somebody said all the final eight teams made it uh, or got a Christmas Day game. And that's mm-hmm. that's telling. Um, except for the Miami Heat, I guess. 
Yeah, the only team that didn't get one. But uh, but that's telling. And to pull the Lakers all the way to Dallas to play that game, it's going to be huge. And it may upset some traveling plans because I don't know if I can travel and not go to that game because it's yep. a, it, it's a, it means an awful lot to me those two teams. But but yeah, I think it does mean a lot. Uh, and let's just end it end this this topic on this factor cap. The Mavs will beat the Lakers on Christmas Day. Fact. Oh, not high on the Lakers or feeling good about where the Mavs are? A little bit of both. Uh, I think what you said earlier is the most important element where Luca gets up to play against LeBron like he does Giannis and some of the other superstars who he just loves going against. the the. Uh, it was the 2019-20 game, I'm pretty sure, where Luca had just an incredible step back over LeBron that was mm. close to like a game mm. that's on all the classic highlight films. It's just... And, you know, Luca hasn't looked great as he's played LeBron, you know, kind of these past two seasons for various reasons. And I, I think I think this one is going to be big. I just I just have a feeling. What was the one where he blocked LeBron? That was the one. Was that rookie year? Oh, gosh, that one was funny because it's like everyone, everyone was surprised Luca got up that high. What I know was that. <laughs> yeah, I was that's a good one. Um, and then there's always the the Seth Curry Dwight Howard game that will just always live the Jersey up. pull Harrison <laughs> Fagan, my boss Harrison Fagan former uh, Silver Screen and Roll yep. managing editor sends me that photo just sporadically, <laughs> <laughs> no reason he'll just you know it drives me nuts. That's a very Harrison thing to do. Uh, incredible. All right, coming up, let's talk about the Mavs over under for their win total. Bet Online came out with a bunch of different um, over unders for a bunch of different teams. There's a couple teams they didn't come out with over unders for that I think are interesting too, but we'll talk about that when it comes to the Mavericks. There are currently six teams in the West with a higher win total over under than the Mavericks. We'll, we'll talk about that with Kirk Henderson coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about Built Bars, protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They're absolutely delicious. They're great. I love them. And right now, there's a brand new flavor. There always is. You have to check the website like every two weeks or so. Pina Colada. 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, 8 grams of sugar, covered in uh, it's covered in 100% chocolate with the marshmallow. This is the puffs. So you have the marshmallow filling in the middle of it. I buy these. I buy these myself. Uh, Built Bar sends them to me. I get to taste the flavor. And then I'm like, all right, I just want this. And then I just buy them for myself. You can too. Use the promo code. I think they just changed it. It's locked on. It's locked on 15 right now. They just changed the promo code, so go check it out. Use promo code locked on 15 to get 15% off your entire order with built.com. All right, Kirk, we're getting into we're, we're in the dead of offseason right now, but we're getting into the Mavericks over-unders, which means the season is creeping back in, right? The over-unders come out. That's like the one of the first steps into the next season. And right now, the Mavericks over-under. Is 47 and a half wins. So that means if you're looking at that number, it means that if you want to bet on this, you bet the over, so they're going to get 48 or more wins, and you bet the under, they're going to get 47 or less wins. And Mavericks had 52 wins last year, and if you're listening, you're probably like, wait, that number is so low. Why is that number lower than it was last year? They think Jalen Brunson's worth that much. Well, a lot of these numbers, they, they trend a little bit lower. Like Phoenix's number is 52 and a half. The Clippers are 52 and a half. The Warriors are 52. Like they're not, and nobody's up there at 60 wins, 55 wins, anything like that. Uh, actually, 53 Milwaukee is the highest one that they do. So it trends a little bit lower. But factor cap, Kirk Henderson, 47 and a half is not enough wins for the over under. Gosh, that one's so hard because I think just to, to play the game, the answer has to be fact. But to me, I tie those 
I, I would tie any sort of Mavericks related over under bet directly to whether you think Luka Doncic is going to be MVP mm. because he's currently the odds on favorite to win the MVP. It's because a lot of people want to vote for Luka. Uh, a lot of people want to bet on Luka overseas markets everywhere, but it, it's a pretty simple fact of you either think Luka's going to lead them to 55 games, which kind of, you know, assumes sort yeah. of top three, top four in the West. And therefore you bet the over two. Um, uh, that that's just sort of how I see it at the moment. Uh, locked on um, Nuggets guy, Matt Moore, an yeah. Action Network guy, like has sort of walked me through this a time or two because th- some of these odds get really confusing. Um, at least for me, I'm still learning a lot about gambling. Um, people who are good at it are are amazing, but it's it's just so tough because if if you think that the Mavericks are going to lose fewer games, it it kind of has to do whether you think they're more the team that played January 1st on where I'm pretty sure they went 35 and 12 versus the team that started the season, like 16 and 18. 18, So it's like, do you think, do you think the team played 500 ball or do you think the team that that played 75% ball? Like I, I, and I just, I don't know. I, I don't think Brunson's worth five games, but I do think that anywhere near that win total, they, they're assuming you're assuming 70 games from Luka Doncic. Mm. So I think, I think it's, I think it's fact. It's, it, or I think it's cap. It's, it's enough wins as an over under, but you have to think about it as an over under. Like you said, mm. if, if someone came up to you and said, I bet, or I'm, I'm going to guess and predict the Mavs win 47 wins. Then I'm like, no, that's not, that's not enough. Right. Like to do, to just do it like that. But as a betting, like, mechanism i think it's i think it's enough as an over under and i get it i think there's some teams that are too high for then you know that are higher than the mavericks but i think that number is probably just fine if you think that some some players regress shooting a little bit right uh, luca doesn't play enough like i think that number is fine but if you just predicted and said hey i think the mavs are going to 48 games i would tell you that that's not enough yeah i it's so tough for me because the 50 win mark we as Mavericks fans are sort of spoiled by that, particularly <laughs> if you're a fan from the Dirk era, because they yeah. just won 50 games all the time. And it's a hard mark to get to. And I understand the fans who are saying, if you have Luka Doncic, there's a floor and that floor is probably 50 games. I've had that said to me. I'm like, I get it. But you know, you're banking an awful lot on Luka being healthy, which is just, it's a risky element to take when you're gambling. That that's not to say the Mavericks yeah. bad anything like that. It's just a gambling opinion. Yeah, and so some people will see that number and say, "Oh, that's so disrespectful." And I don't, and I don't necessarily think that it is. And you're right. They they had eleven. Was it eleven seasons in a row from 2001 mm-hmm. to 2011? They had 50 wins, and then they had it in 2015, and then just last year. So I mean, that is more often than not over the course of this century, they have, they have had 50 well, wins than not. It's it's also literally designed to get anyone willing to gamble to bet on it. So if you're yeah, looking at right, that and right, saying, "Oh, this is right. a clear over," at that, you know, I don't know. To to me, it's a little bit of a stay away. I have I have placed I I don't really gamble, but I placed ten bucks on a Luke MVP vote when I was in, in Vegas, along with a Zion Williamson MVP. Uh, bet of ten dollars because Lucas, I think, was plus five hundred and Zion was plus sixty six hundred. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know what could happen? Um, the other but, day, I but, saw like a plus hundred thousand on on Bet Online, and I was like, if I just put ten bucks on that, and somehow right. that happens, I'm winning ten thousand. <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right. There's a couple of te- so here are the teams that are that have higher. Uh, over under. So again, the over under is the number that you have to bet either over or under that that team will hit. In the West, Phoenix, 52 and a half. Clippers, 52 and a half. Those are the top two teams in the West. The Warriors, 52. 
Nuggets 50 and a half. Memphis 49 and a half. And then Minnesota 48 and a half. Factor cap, all these teams will finish higher in the standings than the Mavericks. Pro I'm going to get excoriated if I say anything other than cap, but I, I don't know. I think it's all, it's all health, like health dependent for those teams. Cause it's like the wolves one makes me mad, but I think they're going to be a maddening juggernaut of a yeah. regular season team. If they figure anything out, they're just going to be so annoying to play against on a night in night out basis. I think you can scheme them off the floor in the playoffs, but I don't know that man, that's those are some good lines. And a problem with a team like Minnesota is that you, like they just have more people to rely on. Cat yep. is out some games, then all of a sudden, like Anthony Edwards gets <laughs> twenty shots a game. But if he's not, then he gets less than that. Or D'Angelo Russell can step up on any given night and give him something. And they lost some depth with that trade, but the Rudy Gobert piece of it is just such a huge thing. And I think it'll be rocky starting out. But is it rocky for five games, ten games, right. twenty-five games? Like that's what really is going to matter. And then all of a sudden. They'll probably just go on a tear eventually because that, that's just a lot of talent on one team. Maybe Chris Finch can't figure it out and how to put them all together. And maybe the cat go bear like lineup is not as good, but they just, they cover each other's weaknesses so bad. Like, did you ever go to church camp where they taught you about holding hands with people? Oh yeah. Where that's they, a great where, comp. Where, you talked about, where you talked about, like you put your fingers over like the, over like in between people's knuckles so that you're covering each other's weaknesses and the mm -hmm. knuckles are the strength. Uh, we need jason gallagher to come oh back with a pastor uh oh my gosh i saw a tiktok today that i saw i've seen a couple of them recently where it's like 2000s youth group trends and like the first couple ones didn't really hit me because they were too early and then he he did part three and i was like damn it was like every it was like i hit every single one of them <laughs> it's neat like like social media is best when it's at niche comedy where it's hitting very, me very specifically <laughs> it had like a hundred thousand likes and i was like oh this is hitting way more people than just me um but yeah minnesota memphis is the sneaky one in this again it's it's, it's suns clippers warriors nuggets i feel good about all those teams they'll probably finish higher than the maps the, the warriors and clippers are kind of weird in there because they have weird injuries but Warriors had weird injuries last year and had more wins. Uh, but Memphis is the one that 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 kind of that, that I kind of feel a little bit like the Mavericks can finish with a better record than them because they're missing Jaron Jackson Jr. They lost Melton and and Kyle Anderson. And they only replaced them with rookies. And so I'm curious to see how that works. Are they as good if John misses time again? I didn't understand this. I had a guy, I had the 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 head of the Grizzly Bear Blues, which is SB Nation's uh, Memphis blog on on my show the uh, current one or ago? the former one uh, a current one um well, the current one is uh parker, parker, fleming. parker fleming and he seemed sort of bullish on jaron jackson returning earlier whereas you and i have seen tall people with knee injuries and there's just no there's no rhyme or reason for what happens in these timetables and so i thought that was i thought the bullishness was interesting because it wasn't necessarily a homer pick he's just you know i from what I've understood, kind of take that, you know, this, this might not be a half the season type thing because mm. it's just it, it, knee injuries for a guy that's that big and that mobile. It's just, it's important to his game. And, and it's had respect, injuries in the past. Mm -hmm. And with respect to John Morant, the Grizzlies won more. I'm pretty sure this is the fact. Correct me if you know that I'm wrong. The Grizzlies won more games in one season without John Morant than the <laughs> Cavaliers won without LeBron James during his entire first run with the Cavs <laughs> when he didn't play. It so was a wild year last year for them. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like I think they're capable of, of certain things, but 
you know, so much of about basketball is about getting on a rhythm and getting playing the right way for the right stretch of time and not having injury luck. And so they're probably, you're right. They're probably the, the pick that I would take to fall below the maps. I just, I don't have confidence in them. And maybe that's me being a jerk. I don't know. I just, yeah. I don't really take the Mavericks so thoroughly bully the Grizzlies that I don't take them seriously as a team. Yeah. When you're, when your star player beats another team off of a shot where he's like perpendicular to, or parallel to the ground and he's shooting that it's, uh, you're al- you're allowed to, to mm. call them out, and you, and you finished farther in the playoffs than them last year. That's right. All those Memphis Grizzlies fans in my mentions. All right, coming up, let's talk about the two guys the Mavericks signed because McKinley Wright the fourth and Mo Gee, I think are are kind of interesting. They're training camp guys. They're coming in, and I asked our locked on pit guy about Mo Gee, and he gave me a whole lot, and I'm really interested in him. So let's talk about those guys coming up. All right, Kirk, the Mavericks and. This always gets me. I have Shams on notifications on Twitter. So whenever Shams tweets out, I get a notification right on my phone. And you just only see the first, like, sentence and a half. And it's like, the Dallas Mavericks sign. And I was like, oh. And then it was like, it was like McKinley Wright the fourth and uh, Muhammadu Gee, or Mo Gee, as everybody calls him. And uh, I'm interested in these two guys. I, they're coming in as training camp um as training camp guys. So they're not signed to a regular deal just yet. The Mavericks only have one roster spot left. So that's why they can sign these, both of these guys. Um, but before I even dive into who they are, um, do you think these guys cap factor cap, are they actually fighting for a roster spot in training camp? I'd say, yeah, I'd say, really? I'd say that's fact because, you know, Frank Nielakina came into camp last year under, under a camp deal and, and ended five up years of NBA experience under. His okay. Yeah. But but I just I, I never want to write anybody off because I have a tendency to do that. Um, just, so so at the moment I just want to say it's I see no reason for for why not. I mean it's it seems extremely unlikely. Usually these camp deals are a combination of favor or a, a pathway to maybe get them on the the developmental or the the G League team. So yeah. that's that seems the most realistic outcome. But you know what? Why not? Why not? Let's be hopeful. There's nothing to talk about. And they still have a two-way spot open as well. So this is oh their- oh okay, that's right because Moses Moses Wright signed Mo- in, in Moses China. Moses Wright is gone, and Tyler Dorsey is the other guy in the two-way spot. So they mm. still have a two-way spot open. So I think they could be fighting for one of those. I don't see them fighting for a roster spot. And uh, I love Isaac and I always every time one of these things happen, when and like somebody gets signed and they're like, and they're you know Shams writes in the tweet like they're fighting for a roster spot. Like oh they. The Mavericks probably just did an agent a solid at a certain at a certain point and said, "Hey, let's bring in these two guys." Maybe not because they're bringing in those two guys, but to tell Shams that they are fighting for a roster spot like that does a, an agent a solid a little bit. Yep. But but with these two guys, I am interested in them. McKinley Wright the fourth is about almost twenty four years old. So he's a little bit older. He played four years at Colorado. He was a two two way. Um, with Minnesota Timberwolves last year. He played just five games with the Timberwolves. He played nine games with their G League team, so he kind of just hung out with the uh, the like the like Timberwolves for a long time. He's a pretty solid playmaker. He's undersized, though. He's just six foot. Can't really shoot that well, but he plays with really good energy. He was all defense at Colorado his last year. And so he's got he's got some stuff. He... Isaac, when Isaac and I were texting, he said this is the one, the guy he was more interested in because he's got NBA experience and that defense, like the, a six foot guard that can de- defend really, really well. Doesn't Always, he have a plus wingspan? That's a good question. I want to uh, say so, somebody told me he has like a six six wingspan, and I believe just yeah, from an yeah, like right. a player archetype thing, I want to say this front office tends to let like 
which makes me thrilled like certain elements of of um athleticism and plus wingspan where his his uh, wingspan is six inches longer than his height is uh, yeah it's it's the sort of thing that that you know it's like where dennis smith jr was he was six foot tall with a six foot wingspan like the these inches you know they matter and so it's that that's a fascinating he's he's right he's probably too small realistically but I don't know. You never know what, what they might see. My thing is if, if you're too small and the shot isn't necessarily there, like he was mm. not a great shooter with it at Colorado. And then in the G league, he, he shot a little bit better just, but in summer league, I, I asked Brendan clean cause he played with the sun summer league team this past year. I asked him about it and he was like, yeah, he just can't really shoot that well, but he's an interesting, interesting guy plays with really good energy. So I'm interested to see how he works out. I could see him getting a two way spot, but I could also very well see him with the Texas legends. The other guy, Mohamedou Guy, or Mo Guy, as everybody calls him, I played at Stony Brook for two years. He transferred to Pitt last year, and then I texted Nick Farabaugh, who's our Locked On Pitt guy. We have a Locked On Pitt podcast five days a week. Go check that out if you're interested in Pitt. Uh, gave me all this, so so sit tight as I go as I go through basically a full scouting report on Mo Outstanding. Guy. He's a really nice stretch four. He's about 6'10". He can create for himself off the dribble, though. He's more of a catch-and-shoot guy on kickouts at this point in his game, but he's also an excellent cutter. He's a super high IQ guy who understands spacing and how to run with it. And on defense, he's a magnet. He was Defensive Player of the Year at Stony Brook before he transferred over to Pitt. He's one of Pitt's best shot blockers ever, and he would erase parts of the court at times because he was there. He averaged over two blocks a game at Pitt, which is big in college. He had lots of times he just erased stuff at the rim. He runs really well for his size because he's lanky. That frame means that he has to put on some more muscle. He won't post up anyone at the next level. He's going to get bullied under the basket. But he's a magnetic player on defense who on the other end can pop with the three with solid consistency. He's not going to bang down low in a power game, but he can be the backline defender on ball screens that eliminates a lot. Nick Farabaugh, great stuff on Mogi. And I'm interested in him, but after reading all that, I thought... This is Moses Wright again. This is the same archetype that Moses Wright was. Good shot blocker. Theoretically can step out and hit a three. I think Mogi is a little bit farther developed in his three-point shot than Moses Wright is. But the Mavs seem to have a type. They seem to have a type of player, Kirk, that they want to uh, develop into a player they see playing on their roster in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know. It's like what I mentioned with measurables a bit earlier. That I don't necessarily think the Mavericks care about height outside of the lineup being big you know that's sort of what we're seeing right now if you're looking at various guesses as to what the Mavericks lineup could be there's not really anybody under six five in the lineup and you know you do got like McGee's obviously a huge person he is un, like he's taller than you think once you see him in person like you read seven foot it's it's just kind of shocking once you see the man that that tall in person but you know the Guys that are like six, eight and super long arms are just why not is, is kind of the thought. What, what can he do? You know, the Mavericks had, had some interesting luck with another Stony Brook player, uh, Jameel Warney. Remember him? Mm. Um, mm. <laughs> four years ago, I was like, why is summer that? league legend? Right. So it's just, you know, he obviously didn't make final roster. He, you know, he, he didn't have, you know, much of a NBA career, but it's just, I, I, I like these sort of shot in the dark shots in the dark. So long as we can all collectively agree to not do the thing where we're demanding that a player who isn't getting playing time, get playing time. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> Twitter does. Where it's just like, you where's can, Moses, right? Guys, Kirk, you can demon. ask for that every single year and it will always happen. Every single I fan just, base, every fan base does this. 
It's like, guys, we're fighting for the four seed. Moses Wright is not going to play. Okay. Mo- Moses Brown is not going to make the, the biggest day. He's not going to change the, everything about love, the Mavs starting lineup. I love that sort of stuff. It's just like, are we that bored? We're winning yes. four, three out of every four games. Yeah. <laughs> but the fourth game, gosh, could have had Moses Brown there. Could have had true. Moses Wright. Uh, but Mogi is the one I'm more interested in because I think mm-hmm. his type of archetype, I think, matches in the NBA. You mentioned Mavs don't care about height. One of the things that people don't really know a lot, unless you go see these guys in person, is that Dwight Howard is like six nine. Yeah, like, like Dwight Howard is not seven foot seven two. Like he's not Rudy Gobert's height or anything like that. But he was a great center for a while. And look at some of the centers that just played in the NBA Finals. I mean, yes. Kevon, Looney, Kevon Looney's not seven foot two. Robert Williams is like six nine, six ten as well. So as long as you have decent size and you have the wingspan, which Mogi has a plus wingspan, it's like it's seven two or seven three or something like that. And then also he can hit. A, a three-point shot. He shot like 36% from three on like over three a game. That's that pretty good. At Pitt. And so, and his shot looks pretty good from, from just the highlights that I watched today. But um, from everything that, that uh, you know, Nick told me from Lockdown Pitt, he has that in his game. He's going to be a catch-and-shoot guy. He can, he can, he can like, like close out, or he can uh, attack off of a closeout, get to the rim. Uh, he had some really, really nice dunks <laughs> in his highlight package that I saw from Pitt. But I think he – and then the defense, the shot blocking to me is just what really stands out. If he can be a shot block defender like that, can also hit the three on the other side, then that's something interesting that you develop, you work on in the Texas Legends. I could see him getting the other two-way spot, be the – you know, they already have Tyler Dorsey as the one two-way spot. Maybe he's the other two-way guy. And then they develop him for a couple years and see if they can turn him into a Robert Williams, a, you know, Kavon Looney, a guy like that. Mm-hmm. Why not? I, I just I love these these shots in the dark where, you know, I, I'm not not the biggest fan of the Tyler Dorsey move for a two way spot because he's 25, 26. Oh, Anybody that still has some developmental years in their cycle. I, I, w- let's just see what they can do, given a little bit of opportunity. You never know what can happen in a preseason game. You never know what a coaching staff might latch on to. And, you know, let's say it doesn't work out with the Mavericks and he slides down to the G League or could be a two-way guy. Like, there's just all sorts of opportunities. So, for right now, I love the thought. The classic example of the um, of the training camp guy that you just didn't expect making it is Sala Mejuri, right? Like, he was a guy that nobody really expected to make the team. And they cut – who did they cut? It was the center – they the cut man. him like last minute. It was it was like Sam. It was Sam Dallenbear is who they cut. It was like oh, old, old Sam yes. Dallenbear, and they cut they cut him. He had a roster spot, and they cut him and like waived his contract and kept Salah Mejri. So they're like you never know with stuff like this. Now Salah was a little bit older, and he had played overseas for a while. But uh, you're right, you do never know about some of these training camp guys. Man, I'd forgotten. Like for me, Isaac Salah, brings that one up every year, and it's always a really good example. Salah Mejri was just like for me, he's like a forever Mav. Where I oh, will yeah. associate him with certain things, like like uh, he was so testy. I, I cannot believe I do not remember this. Where he was a training <laughs> camp guy, and then he made the roster. Hmm. Oh man! Well, it was like 2015, so like sure. anything, anything before 2016 or even 2020. Now I feel like our brains just sort of forget. But that's right. Uh, Kirk, you wanna any, you wanna plug anything on Mavs Moneyball or what people should be checking out? No, we're doing weird stuff uh, over at Mavs Moneyball this time of year because there's only so much. Uh, 
content. I just got back from vacation and while I was out, I, our co-manager, uh, Josh Bowe apparently tweeted out that he's, he was apologizing in advance for Mavs Moneyball comparing, you know, the Mavericks to, uh, Halo games and to Batman, the animated series. So, you know, we're stay in, in your wheelhouse. Ha- stay in your wheelhouse. I got. I, I did right. my my youth group metaphor earlier. I've got Avatar references. <laughs> that, right. That's all we got. Right. You know, we spent. We got about. We got about three weeks until things start really popping, and so we just kind of. Mm. We should all enjoy ourselves some Eurobasket when we remember that's on, and uh, you know, root for Slovenia and and don't and Heck and yeah. it's it's gonna. I'm I'm looking forward to this season. This was the first. I, I tell everybody this because I like whining. I took over Mavs Moneyball <laughs> March 1st of 2020, which was a really terrible time to take over a anything. really bad time. And this was our first, this just really feels like the first real off season we've had. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm disappointed that Brunson walked away, but I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing where these guys can either, you know, find a way to take a step back, to take a step forward, or if they figure out something and really, you know, dry like luca turns up in mvp shape like it's it's we, we have a lot of reasons to be excited about the season oh for sure did you say it was your first healthy off season should i take a drink <laughs> I, I mean so drink? well i mean it sort of feels like that just because you you know in those days where it's just like we we didn't the bubble ended what was it like mid-september and then we didn't know when the season was started again just like luca and then that was why it was like all of a sudden basketball's back like six weeks later it's crazy and then we rolled into this whole same same kind of deal. It's it does. I didn't mean to say healthy off season, but that kind of was the point. It's like oh, you know, be able to recover a little bit. Uh, so the Chris Osborne thing is first healthy off season was the phrase that Isaac and I would we would take a drink every time one of us said it or we heard it in a press conference. <laughs> and uh, our new one this year is the everyone's gonna say Spencer Dinwiddie. This is his first full off season removed from returning from an ACL. That's gonna be that's gonna be the new. Phrase. I like that one. Well, the, my 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 hottest take is whoever is designing the Slovenian and uniforms the mavericks need to get that person involved with whoever designed the mavs uniforms because he looks geometric shapes man yes like it just unless he's wearing the carmelo anthony like body suit that Melo used to wear because that's i don't know it's the cut of the things part of it but i mean geez he looks so good and i'm like where can we get that all the time I mean, obviously, it's a, he's a fantastic player, but he just he literally looks different in a Slovenian uniform. It's the food overseas, man. The food over you can eat as much as you want overseas. I just mm-hmm. came back from from Paris and London, and you can eat as much as you want. You so we're, yeah, we're the problem. What about it's our process? It's our processed food over here. I think is what it's right. Well, thanks <laughs> for having go. me on, Nick. I appreciate it. Go check out Mavs Money Ball. Go follow Kirk at Kirk Serious Face, guys. Thanks for listening to Locked On Mavs. Peace out. Boom.